Welcome back to Three Pup Pa. My name is Mike Caridi and I'm your host. This is episode number 29. We are just over halfway through our first year uh, putting out tips each week and talking a little bit about the week in golf and hopefully finding some winners on the punt as well. Uh, I, I Again, I have to apologize in advance. We were hoping to have someone on tonight um, and then a bit of a late uh, maneuver meant that I had to pause that for next week. So we'll have someone back next week. Uh, and it was a little bit of a late call up for Will. Um, so again, you get to stick with just me. So again, it probably will be a little bit gambling heavy. It will be shorter than normal. Um, hopefully you still enjoy it. It could also be a really good omen because when we get through to the results, you'll find out that last week we we had a really, really good week, which was great. Um, and some of the things we talked about on last week's episode came to fruition, which is, you know, it's always nice. Um, it always reminds me of... Um, of Seinfeld at one point over the weekend, I think I said to myself, I'm spotting them like raccoons, Jerry. Uh, I think that's what he says. And hopefully that's right. And, and no one else is uh, a Seinfeld aficionado out there screaming at their, uh, their iPhone or their car stereo telling me that uh, that's completely wrong. Mike, you're an idiot. Well, they probably do that at some point anyway, but maybe run that quote. Um, we're going to run through the results of this week. We will go some pretty heavy into the massive Mexico open at Vedanta, um, which I'm sure all of you are super excited about. It's an enormous field. Um, but yeah, more than anything else, let us know if, if the, if the one person talking isn't what you like, um, click me a note. I'm not going to get upset about it. Um, it's just good to get feedback from people. And, um, yeah, like I said, it was good to just get some feedback last week around some winners. Um, but more than anything is just trying to make this as good as I can for you guys that are listening. So the big event last week, obviously the Genesis Invitational, Hideki Matsuyama flew home with a nine under. I think it was a course record in the end. I remember watching the end of the event and they were talking about he had a putt for the course record. I don't know whether it was to set it or keep it. Uh, nine under final round came from the clouds with a few other big names looking like they were going to make a make a run. Um, our number one pick on the email was uh, Patrick Cantlay, who led all week. Um, he did very much peter out over the weekend. I think the, the biggest things that you could look at um, going cold for, for young, uh, calling the human highlight reel, that was Dominic Wilkins, but clearly Cantlay is now the human highlight reel because he's electric. Um, his putter just went cold. I mean, his putter and, and hitting the ball off the tee, he couldn't hit a fairway in round four. So when everyone else is going under par and you're plugging along and shooting plus one, uh, you are not going to win tournaments. doesn't matter if you're leading by four or five or six uh, midway through the tournament after round two. Plus one in the final round, leaving Ketley at 13 under, tied with Adam Hadwin for T4 and Xander Shoffley, our second pick. So we had two people right up the pointy end. Uh, and the other guys ahead of that were Luke List. Luke List definitely looked like he was going to steal it um, early doors. I think he was well and truly under par through his front nine. I think well, he eagled the first and had three more birdies. So a lazy five under on the front. He looked like he was going to get well and truly away from them, and, and he just sort of petered out towards the end. But Hideki was a man from the clouds, um, as I said at the start. He was one that I talked about last week as someone that I, I don't, I'm pretty sure I did, as someone that I couldn't see winning. And it's just because he never ties it together. Um, he's the white whale for me. He's a little bit like Tyrrell Hatton. He was put in a basket a long time ago of people that I just will never invest in again. And because they're going to win very, very rarely, I shouldn't be too upset about it. And I'm not really upset about this week. And and I did have a profitable week, so it's easy to, to not be as upset if I'd lost all my money. Um, but yeah, realistically, you can't do much about it. We've talked about it forever on podcasts, whether it was when I was on My Love of Golf or, or during the three-part part era that we're in now. You just need to tweak that one 
percent that you're deficient in if you get that right in any given week you are always hard to beat right and so when i talk about hideki doing that if you think about hideki last year he ranked 117th on tour in putting this week he ranked third right that's a complete turnaround now only 50 limited field but effectively when you're tweaking it from you know worse than tour average to third, you are always going to have a good week. Now, that's not one round. That's over the whole week. The other one is driving distance. Now, we talked about that as a, as a big winner this week as something you needed to do. He's 127th in driving distance last year on tour. This year, this week, sorry, he's gone up and finished 28th. So, again, that's a 50-51 players. But, again, that, that midfield number is all you need. And we talk about it a lot, and I'm not going to harp on it because everyone else is and, and everyone won't shut up about it, including myself around Scotty Scheffler. Scott is the exact example of the person who just needs to get to tour average in putting, right? So you would have heard every podcast and their and their dogs podcast talk about the fact that he can't putt. Um, and it is around that strokes game putting that he's ranking dead last this week. So 51st of 51 in putting this week, lost one shot per round. Um, probably wasn't the difference this week, but it is in general. If he gets that back to tour average, he probably wins or finishes top couple every single week. So again, Hideki's done that extremely well this week. And yeah, flying home with a nine under, he was unstoppable. He really, really put the hammer down and did extremely well. He also continued the trend of three-digit win winners. So we looked for a long time there, like maybe Cantlay, maybe Xander might win. They were swimming around that 22 to $23 when we opened and put the tips out. Uh, but Hideki's win comes at, I think when I put the email out, he was about 110 to one on Betfair and about, 60 or 70 to 1 on um, sports bet here in Australia. So when you're putting on your dollar for those American listeners, that means you get $67 back at worst. Um, your odds are weird, so I'm not going to run through that, but I think you'd be 6700 is what you would call it in your in your terms. So overall, we're right around the mix with the winning picks for the event. Uh, we had Cantlay, Xander, and Jason Day, who was also up there as well, who was paying about $68. Where we did do well was round one leader. Now, I never, in all the all the times I've done this podcast, and this is 29 times now, I've never said I'm definitively putting this bet on this week, but I did. I don't know why. End of last week's episode, if you listen to it, I definitively said at least the one bet I'll be having this week will be Patrick Cantlay to be round one leader. And he was paying $29, and he did what we needed him to do. Uh, he tried very, very hard in those last few holes to give it away. He, he really was... um. He was getting ready to vomit all over himself in those last few holes, but he didn't, um, and he won. And I'm so, so happy um, because not only did I say on the podcast he's going to be my bet, in the email that I put out, and if you do want the email, threepartpodcast at gmail.com, um, round one leader, Patrick Cantlay, and four exclamation points. So I've never done that before either. So I don't know what it was. Maybe a little bit of magic rubbed off there, but Patrick Cantlay won at 30s, and I would have had at least – Eight to ten people messaged me telling me that they backed it. So I'm so happy about that. I'm really happy that um, some of you guys and girls out there um, had a collect. I know I had a really solid collect. I also know one of the listeners, one of my friends, had a even bigger collect than me, which is well and truly exceptional because yeah, it was uh, definitely paid for the week, and he owes me uh, he owes me dinner somewhere nice. Um, and it was just really, really good. It was just a, it's just really good to get a winner and and something that that you know so it was pretty clear clear that. He always goes well in round one. I mean, he's scoring average in round one. He's ranked number one. Uh, he was out early. There was a lot of things pointing to him playing well here. He hasn't been in great form, but he was trending in the right direction. And it's great when you see those things come off. It, it, it always works really, really well. Um, 
of the other guys and girls are up there. Will Zalatoris, or girls, no girls. Will Zalatoris um, had a great week. Again, we talked about him last week and the week before as someone that looked like they were coming to hand quickly after a very, very long time off with a back injury. Um, it was just um, good to see him a little bit. Not good to see, but emotional at the end of the day, um, showing how much it meant to him. Had a big week, had a family member pass away this week. So to watch someone like that go out and perform like he did with so much on his mind, he's just it's just exceptional the talent of some of these guys um, and what they sort of go through when you're not sure what's going on uh, in their lives. So that was a really, really great result for him. I think you haven't put a bet on Will Zalatoris to win the PGA or the US Open yet, and you're thinking, oh, that might be a good bet. Yeah, you might have you needed to do that last week because I think I haven't checked his prices, but I would say that he's probably trimmed up a little bit after this event um, because we all know that he does love turning up for the majors. So uh, he will be one we'll be watching. Uh, definitely be keeping an eye on Will. Maybe you play poorly between now and maybe the Masters or the PGA and we can get a price. But uh, if you haven't got it now, probably best waiting a little bit and and hopefully the form dies off or someone else catches fire and, and you might get a better price closer to the event starting. Um, the other big, I suppose, stories of the week, the first one was Tiger. I think it was so exciting to watch Tiger back. I sat down on Friday Melbourne time, so round one, uh, Thursday US time, just turning on the TV and sitting, seeing Tiger Woods hit golf balls in a tournament. It was just, just great. Like I don't care if he finishes last, like, I know he won't be playing golf if he ever feels like he's going to finish last or continually does, but it just, just, he just, he's, as I always say, he's the needle. Like just watching him play golf is exceptional. Um, I, I, I don't know how many times I could watch him at a golf ball, even with his now very different swing than what he had in his peak, but just watching him play golf, I just love it. Um, I was really disappointed in seeing him finish up. I think we're all concerned it was going to be the knee or the leg or the hip or something else that's been injured over time. Um, but they did come out and say, no, he did have some sort of cold or flu, um, was on an IV once they got him off the course in that in, towards the end of that second round, and he sort of came good. Um, didn't get there for the ceremony, which Hideki was a little bit flat about, not getting the trophy from him. But look, I, I hope he rests up and that's all it was. And yeah, you'd, you'd love to see him at the players and then maybe the Masters coming up over the sort of the next six to eight weeks, I guess, uh, would be a good news story for Tiger. Um the other thing that came out of Tiger's world this week was the Sunday Red uh, clothing. The first time I saw it, I thought, gee, that's a horrendous logo. I don't like it. And more I looked at it, I thought, you know what? I don't mind it. I'm getting used to it already, which is probably a good sign that the marketers have done the right job there. Uh, I think the as long as everything wasn't red, it was going to be a bonus. But I think the, uh, the white or cream-colored uh, sweater that he had on, during one first or second round look, look quite good. Um, and I don't mind don't mind the logo now, so I'm getting used to it. I'd be interested to hear from you guys and girls whether you liked it, whether you think it's a bit much. I think it's better than the Melbourne stuff anyway. But Sorry, apologies to Scott Carter uh, of my love of golf because I know he, he loves the Melbourne stuff. He's one of those guys I can guarantee he'll be getting around in one of those baggy pants that Jay Day wears very, very soon. Um, the other one, the other big story, probably divided people. Um Jordan Spieth, DQ, uh, didn't hand in, or sorry, handed in the card, an incorrect card, and, and DQ'd from the event. Um, I did hear from the No Laying Up guys today that they believe he rushed in, was in a hurry to get out of there, probably a bit not happy, didn't finish the second round the way he wanted to, um, signed his card, then Tom Kim was coming in post, signed the card. If you want to listen to the whole story, please go and listen to the No Laying Up podcast from this week. Uh, and they they just sort of said, look, it's his own fault. And I I 100% agree. I think that at the end of the day, it's the one thing you got to do as a golfer is sign your card. You know how it works. Um, 
I know that people have talked about the fact that there's so many people around, there's so much electronic scoring, there's television, there's this, there's that. Um, yes, that's true, but not everywhere. I mean, I was watching the TPS event at the Hunter Valley this weekend on the Australian tour. And I mean, there was one point there in the final round, one of the guys in the final group, he was on a par five and they just lost him on camera. And they said, I think Paul Gow was commentating and he even said like, I can't even tell you when he's hit onto the green there, whether that's on the green for three or for 10. So if you think about it that way, the only person that's going to know his score is, is him. So it's his job to make sure, her job, no matter who it is, what, what sort of professional event you're playing or any golf event you're playing to make sure your cards are right. Um, and he owned it. You know, he, he said, look, it was his fault. I know people will say a DQ is probably a bit much, but rules are rules. Um, there's definitely weird rules in that in golf, but I don't, don't know that it was that big of a deal, but it seemed to be a massive story this week. Um, but yeah, well done to Hideki. Um, again, I think all the data lined up to what we looked at. The strokes gain data that we pulled into the da- into the model um, stacked up really well. We saw a lot of guys that filtered to the top, filtered the top of this leaderboard. And I mean, look, it only goes to show that when you got Cantlay and Xander filtering up, post them being the top two on the picks, um, yeah, it makes it a little bit a little bit easier to sort of do your form. I think when you get exposed form like that, it's great. I think when you come to this week's event in Mexico, it's a bit harder. We've only been there twice. So um, yeah, that'll be a bit more interesting. I did talk about the TPS event at the Hunter Valley. Um, first first things first, uh, definitely an apology for last week. Now, on last week's episode, I did say that PK was going to try and play in the Pro-Am, but it was Hammertau. So Hammertau, um, up there on the Hunter Gets a spot in the prime every every year, the last three years. Uh, it's poured and it's been rained out. Hasn't actually been. I don't even know if he's got on the courses yet. This year, I'm pretty sure he got in through 16 holes uh, and that and then they, they were called in. Or if they weren't, they didn't get too much in. And it happened in the event as well. It was rain delayed here and there. They eventually got the event finished up on Sunday and Daniel Gale was the winner. Uh, Phoenix Campbell, the AM, was leading for a long way. He and Daniel Gale were really just that whole back nine on Sunday were just toing and froing, really trying to limit the damage is what it felt like. I didn't feel like either of them wanted to go out and win it, but they were both trying not, not to lose it and just stay in contention. Shockingly for all of you, Kazuma Kabori did go out and look like he wanted to win it. The, the guy's a freak. Uh, he finished two shots behind Daniel Gale and probably had some not some ordinary parts, but just if you, if a couple more rolled in like they had been earlier in the round, he could quite easily have won it outright uh, or been in a playoff for Daniel Gale. Uh, so Kazuma was the one who who was flying and looked like he really wanted to pinch it. Uh, Phoenix was doing very, very well, the am, uh, and Daniel Gale just did enough. I mean, the, the shot that Daniel Gale hit into the 72nd hole from the left-hand rough to get it up over the trees and then sit it down. I mean, the, the greens are pretty damp, so it was easy to sit it down, but to get it to a perfect part where he could have a you know 12 foot putt up the hill for the win regulation was was really really good going the other part that was really good about it is guess what he was in the picks this week so daniel gale was the third pick so i only put out four names um there was you know 100 players in the field and so we only put four four names out daniel gale was in there he paid 17 dollars, so uh a good win there paid paid for the week on the australasian tour as well um we said he was 22nd position here two years ago at that, that event and fifth at the TPS in Vic a couple of weeks ago. So trending in the right direction. I think Marsh even said the same thing two weeks ago on this show that I think he picked Daniel Gale to win uh, two weeks ago at the TPS Sydney. So yeah, it was good to see Daniel Daniel Gale win. Um, good to see Jeffrey 
Jeffrey Guan also up there who was in the picks as well. So again, one of those ones where just sort of a little bit more exposed forms coming through uh, and it does make it a lot easier to try and find some winners. You're always going to get some someone out of the box like a decky here and there, but at least you can get yourself into position. Now, I know some of the people, I'll go back to the PGA Tour event for a second. I know a lot of people that had cashed out the, the Cantlay bets that they'd had on Saturday night. Good luck to them. I let mine ride. I, I didn't obviously end up collecting the, the win there, but I'd already collected on the first round leader, so I was, I was comfortable with that, um, letting it ride. But that's the best thing about it. If you can get a handful of people that are in the mix, for me, as an example, I had two bets on. One was Jason Day, one was Patrick Cantlay through round two. They were first and second. If they get in that position, you can just cash your bet out, pocket your profit, keep going from there. If that's the way you like doing things, you, you, you're always going to be uh, – Clipping that ticket, and, and as long as you can get those people in, in the right position to start with. For me, I'm, I'm just like letting it letting it go. I'm not doing this to retire. I do this for a bit of fun. Uh, the other thing I found really interesting about the TPS event this week, obviously it is the mixed event. Uh, so you do have the men and women playing at the same time. Very, very, very heavy towards the men, towards the top of the leaderboard. Um, normally you are seeing a handful of females that are, you know, sliding in there between, you know, the men, but... Yeah, top five all sitting in the men's division um, was probably a little bit interesting. I don't know whether it was a course. I don't know whether whether it was the rain made it a bit playing a bit longer. Um, but yeah, that, I just thought that was an interesting note. Um, but again, I think as Hammertau said, the, the tournament is certainly cursed. I know they can't move it, but gee, they're just getting stiff with the weather over the last few years. Uh, the Sunshine Tour, now we didn't talk about this on the podcast last week, but we did put out the tips. We put out the tips because Xander Lombard was there and Xander's been playing quite well with not quite getting it done on the DP World Tour the last few weeks. Uh, and I did put in the email, if he can't win this, he's never going to be in my tips again. And he did not win. So Xander, you're done. Um, unless unless something drastic comes out of it, uh, your T6 is just not good enough. Um, I only had three picks for here. I had Xander and, and I had two others, uh, one being JC Richie, who was just behind him in eighth position. Um, so none of the, neither of those guys were good enough. But in true golf betting form, uh, the winner was David Rivetto. Now, I don't know what David's odds were, but I'm willing to bet they were well and truly into the triple triple figures. I went back and had a look at David's uh, last 12 events. Uh, David's missed nine cuts in his last 12 events uh, before winning this week, the Dimension Data Pro-Am on the Sunshine Tour. He had a 17th at the South African Open Championship and he finished 47th at the Joburg Open. And other than that, he's literally been nowhere. So just a really impressive win for a guy who um, hasn't clearly been playing the golf he wants to play. Uh, to come out and win and win by two, um, good good on him. Um Frenchman, uh, but yeah, I don't know much about David Rivetto, but I was impressed to see uh, his current form for someone that's going to go out and pinch a win. So well done, David. The other one that I'm, I'm not going to go too far into was um, David Puig. So um, he won the Malaysian Open this week, and this was pointed out by uh, Monday Qualifier. So if anyone's on Twitter and doesn't follow Monday Q Info, um, they're missing out on a bunch of great golf stories. So all credit to to the guys there. David Puig won 23 under and uh, winning the Malaysian Open. The best part about it, or the most interesting part about it for me, was he just made the cut. Made the cut on the number at five under, uh, made the weekend, and then went out and shot 62-62 on the weekend. Now, 62-62 any, any given round is exceptional. But back-to-back 62s on the weekend to get to 23 under uh, and win by two is a whole other world of impressive. Um, and on top of that, in getting a, an entry into the Open Championship this year, um, just an absolute cherry on top. 
for a guy who I'm pretty sure still plays on the live tour. If he doesn't, he's um he's been on and off that tour. So a lot of the guys from the live events have been playing this event because they do have uh, an international series event next week. So I know that Dan Laws, uh, sorry, Travis Smythe was there um, of the Aussies. Uh, Maverick Ancliffe was there. He's been playing reasonably well. Kevin Yuan's there. Um, lots of lots of sort of players from that Australasian tour and then some guys that are sort of playing their trade on the Asian tour and then a few live golfers um, in the middle. So on to this week. This week we have the Mexico Open at Vedanta. Uh, it is a... I might say it's an easier event. It's going to be probably when when you look at events that are out there of um, ones that are, have form that is exposed and something you can pick up like this week, I guess at the uh, at Riviera, you know a lot about the course. You've seen it a million times. You know who likes playing there. This is the opposite. Like this could not be more opposite. They've only played here twice. Um, Tony Finau won last year, beat John Rahm, and I'm pretty sure the year before that, John Rahm beat Tony Finau. So um, the field is. The field is weak. I won't say lean. The field is weak. Um, if I go to the the odds aren't up yet. The market's not up yet, so I can't I can't give you the the full market odds. Tony Finau is the only person there. I would guess in the top, I don't know, top fifty on oh no, maybe not top fifty in the world. But there's no one else playing of any sort of caliber. Uh, when I look at the form, the guys that are standing out, I'm going to run through. Um, but before I quickly run through some of those names like I did last week, I'm going to give you an idea of what sort of things I'm looking at. So I really want someone that putts well here. Um, they're playing on Pass Palom again, so sort of a Southern American sort of um, grass, something that you can't probably see at Maya Cobar. Um, it's, it's something you'll see in Mexico quite often. Uh, it's one where we're going to see a lot of strokes, strokes gained into greens coming from the region of 175 or higher. Um, so on average, tour events, this is way, way, way above. And the 175 to 200 yard shots in, plus the 200, 225, and the 250 plus. So really are hitting much longer irons than normal into greens. So you're not really seeing those 100 to 125 yard shots anywhere near as much. Um, so we really want to see someone that's good around those ranges. I want to see someone's good with the putter. I want to see someone that is good with driving distance. It's certainly a distance course, uh, and it's going to be somewhere where in general, strokes off the tee, probably leaning to distance is the best way to describe it. So there's some of the key stats that I'm going to look at. When I look at the guys and that are here, um, the one that stacks up on top, or is for me so far, in the numbers at least anyway, uh, Vincent Norman. Uh, Vincent Norman, putting ordinary, uh, but was 18th here last year um, and hasn't really had too much form coming in, but the data says his stats from last year at least stack up very, very well. You're going to be super excited by some of these names. Uh, number two is Tony Finau. Now, Tony Finau is going to be, he, he would have to be well and truly close to 4 or $5. He's going to be Tiger Woods peak odds this week. So I will not be betting Tony Finau. It's not because I don't think he can win. I think he should win this by 10 shots. But I'd much prefer to have a small bloke or a handful of small, 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 bloke. small bloke, just anyone who's short. Now, I'd rather have a small bet on someone who I can have, I'd rather have one Five $10 bets on five different golfers at 40 to one than $50 bet on Tony Finau at $5. Like that's just the way I, I'm not doing it for, like I said, to retire. Tony Finau here. First last year, second the year before, he finished 19th at the Genesis, sixth at the Farmers. He's going to be on top of the pops. He's going to be short and I, I can't have him. So I won't be betting on him. 
Uh, the next one I don't mind, again, really scraping the barrel a little bit, uh, Taylor Pendrith. So has been here before. So 30th last year. I like the fact that he's been here. Um, ninth at the Farmers, hasn't played since. So a few weeks of freshen up, did finish 10th at Sony as well. Um, I don't mind that form from Taylor Pendrith. Davis Thompson hasn't been here, but finished 15th at Phoenix, had the week off this week because he didn't get into the elevated event, but does stack up well. A lot of these guys all stack up really, really well, except for their putter. So again, any of these guys have a good week with the putter, good chance they play well. Cameron Champ is the next one. Eighth last year, sixth the year before. Missed the cut at Phoenix and missed the cut at Farmers. Missed the cut at Amex. Missed the cut at Sony. Fair to say Cam's not playing great golf, but two top tens here in two tries. You would say his odds are going to be probably shorter than they should be. My guess is he's probably going to come up around 20 just because of his form here historically, but his form coming in isn't great. So you're going to need to weigh that piece up. Justin Sir is the next one up. Again, hasn't been here. 22nd, though, at Phoenix is not horrendous. And before that, Farmers, he was 77th. Again, Farmers is a is one where, you know, it's I sort of won't say I put a line through it, but it was going on a month ago now. Um, who knows what he's been doing in the middle? It's a bit, it's a bit hard to line that necessarily up. Patrick Rogers will definitely be um, shorter in the odds as well, but he stacks up very, very well. He's played here twice, finished 10th twice. He did miss the cut at the Genesis. 73rd, no, 79th at Pebble. Um, again, we know Pebble was reined and short, so not too concerned about that. And he was ninth at Farmers. So uh, again, trending back, he's, his form's not horrendous. Um, the last two events have been ordinary, but 10th twice here stacks up pretty, pretty well. Thomas Detry, never been here. But last three starts on the PGA Tour were 20th at the Farmers, 4th at Pebble, and 28th at Phoenix. Did take this last week off. Oh, sorry, keep saying it didn't. Took the week off. Didn't get into the elevated, escalated uh, signature event. Uh, so, again, probably a guy that you'd be looking at. He stacks up really well. Probably his approach from 200 to 225 is the only thing that he trends down in. Everything else is pretty good. Brandon Wu is one that stacks up middle of the field but will be short in the odds purely because he's played here twice and he's finished third and second. So you wouldn't say he's a well-known name, Brandon Wu, but definitely will be on the lips of a lot of people putting out their picks this week. And the last one I'm going to talk to is Mark Homeless Hubbard. So Homeless Hubs, uh, again, has been here twice, 51st the first year and then 18th last year. He's 53rd at Phoenix, 4th at Pebble, and 20th at Farmers. He did play four weeks in a row there. So he played at Sony, played at Amex, played at Farmers, played at Pebble, played at Phoenix. This week didn't play. Now, does that give him a little freshen up? Probably um, coming to a course where he's had some okay form last year with an 18th. I don't mind hubs to go well this week, probably a top 20 bet. But again, it's really going to depend on the odds and we just don't have that data yet. So we are recording on a Monday night. So it is a little bit, uh, little bit difficult to sort of say this is where we see them lining up because... Really, the odds will definitely be changing how I think about a lot of these a lot of these players because realistically, um, Tony Finau stacks up on top, like I said. But five dollars, you just you just be mad to take it. Um, but if you really like Tony Finau and you you might like a horse racing on Saturday, you might roll them into the same multi. I, I don't know. You might like basketball. You might do something like that. Um, overall, they're the main players that I like. Once I get the data and the odds all, all updated, I will send out the email, which will probably come out Wednesday night. Uh, if you do want it, like I said, 3 podcast at gmail.com. The second event this week is the event that I told you last week has 
probably the best name in golf. Uh, and that's the Magical Kenya Open. Uh, the Magical Kenya Open, the DP World Tour this week. The field is probably what you'd expect from a from a uh, event played in uh, late February on the DP World Tour. Uh, Thriston Lawrence is your favourite. He's coming up $15. Last week's, or sorry, last event on the DP World Tour's winner, Rikuya Hoshino is $15 as well. Ewan Ferguson, 17. Alex Fitzpatrick, 21. Roman Langask, 23rd. Frederick Lacroix, 23. Alejandro Del Rey, 26. Jesper Svensson, 29. Aaron Cockerell, 34. And Wilco Niembar, 36. Connor Sign, 36. There's not a lot of names that are jumping out to me there. That's the honest answer. I think Thriston Lawrence and Hashino are the, are the right favorites there. Alex Fitzpatrick at $21 is someone who flushed a little bit of form but hasn't really done too much. Langas, not the worst pick at $23. Svensson was good a couple of weeks ago. Um, didn't play too well two weeks ago, though, I don't think. Three weeks ago, he was good. Didn't play, obviously, on, in uh, Sunshine Tour last week at $29. Um, and other than that, you really are starting to scrape the barrel as you go down the board. A lot of guys that probably in, in times gone by have been you know, flashing some form here and there, like Dylan Fratelli, uh, Eddie Pepperell, Adrian Otegui, um, some some bigger names there, but no one that I'm su- super keen to have a really bet, really big bet on. Andy Sullivan's there, John Catlin as well. Um, I will have a really good look at it, and in the email I'll put out who I like. Again, a lot of it's going to be just based around who has played well here before and who's playing well coming in. That's really all I've got to work with, and that's that's the best way to do it. Uh, last two announcements, and then you can run away. Uh, first one is oh, we will be having a competition coming up. Uh, it's going to be a five-event tipping competition. Uh, I won't say it's the five majors, but it is the five bigger events on the PGA Tour and the World Golf Tours. Uh, the Players' Championship and then the four majors. Uh, I'm just going to figure out how I'm going to run it at the moment. Uh, probably be through Teeps to make things a little bit easier. And we have got some great prizes. There will be prizes for the overall winner, but there will also be prizes drawn for just being involved in the event altogether. And there'll also be a prize drawn for just the people that beat me. So you beat me, you go into one draw, you enter it all, you go into a draw. And if you win the lot, you win the big prize. That's the way we're going to work it. So uh, keep your eyes open because that'll be coming out soon. The other one I'm going to do is just a bit of a call out to anyone listening. If you think you have got the chops to come on uh, and be the mug on the show and have the ability to talk to me for half an hour about golf, flick me a note. I'm going to start uh, having a look at some different people to come and sort of not not necessarily do a competition, but I'm going to have a few people reach out and I'm going to find a couple of slots coming up over the next few months where I'm going to get someone on different to come on and if nothing else, do Mike versus the mug. And uh, you will be expected to at least come with three names, but more importantly, come with a charity that's close to your heart because that's going to be the main point of it. It's me giving away some money, uh, which I've been doing each week. Um, there's some been, uh, I've had a few letters in the mail and I got a lovely phone call from uh, one of the charities this week to thank me, which is great. I mean, it was great that they thanked me, but it was also means that I've been losing too much money to the mug uh, if they've been calling me up to say thanks for all your money. Um, it was all good. It's all good, though. It's all, it's all part of it, I should say. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. My apologies again if you don't like my voice. If you don't like my voice, it's probably not the podcast for you. Uh, I will be back next week with at least – I've got at least one person coming, and if not, I'm, that person's not on. I've got someone else to fill in, um, giving them all the heads up. 
Uh, thanks again. If you need anything uh, regards to tips, any any events that I haven't talked about or aren't in the email and you want any advice or any thoughts, just let me know. Flick me a note on Instagram. Otherwise, uh, the email will be out Wednesday night and the podcast will be out again next Monday evening, Melbourne time. Thanks very much for your time. Cheers. Cheers.